Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old school basketball to a new school audience. And today we bring you the story of a basketball Hall of Famer who never played basketball. While that is unusual, it is not completely unheard of. The Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame has several different categories by which a person can be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Everyone knows the two primary categories, player and coach. But there are two more categories that are not talked about as much. The third category is referee. That's right, a referee can make the Hall of Fame if they had a particularly good career. The final category is contributor. Now this category is reserved for anyone who made a significant contribution to the advancement of the game of basketball. Now that definition is purposely vague to allow for a broad range of what could be considered a significant contribution to the game. For example, All four former commissioners of the NBA are in the Hall of Fame as contributors. Chuck Taylor, the developer of the Converse Chuck Taylor basketball shoe, is also in the Hall of Fame. His shoe allowed players to play at a higher level because the shoes were a major advancement in equipment compared to what had come before. Abe Saperstein, the founder of the Harlem Globetrotters, is also in the Hall of Fame for helping popularize the game around the world. Danny Biasone is in the Hall of Fame for inventing the shot clock. Chick Hearn, the famous Lakers broadcaster for nearly 50 years, is in for making the game more popular with his broadcasting style. Dr. James Naismith is in his own Hall of Fame in this category as the inventor of the game. And yeah, I would say that inventing the game is a pretty strong contribution. You get the idea. Anyone deemed to have contributed to the advancement of the game can get into the Hall of Fame. Today's subject is in the Hall of Fame as a statistician. Harvey Pollack advanced statistical analysis further than any other single person. He developed ways to capture the detailed nuances of the game that today we consider essential, but he was the guy who thought of it. That is how he got the nickname Superstat. When he died in 2015 at the age of 93, he was still working for the Philadelphia 76ers as the Director of Statistical Information. At the time that he passed, he was the last original employee of the NBA. And what I mean by that is that he was employed in the NBA during season one, all the way back in 1946. This means that Harvey Pollack was an employee of the NBA for the first 69 seasons of the league. From his seat at the scorer's table, he witnessed every star the NBA had ever had going all the way back to George Mikan and Bob Cousy to Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain. He saw Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, and Oscar Robertson. Then it was Kareem and Dr. J. Then Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal. All the way to some of the current stars like LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. He sat courtside for every one of those players I just mentioned. He was a walking encyclopedia of NBA statistics and knowledge. 
But let me take you back to the beginning of the story. Harvey Pollock is a Philadelphia guy through and through. He was born on March 9, 1922 in Camden, New Jersey, which is right across the river from Philadelphia. He attended Temple University in Philadelphia, where he was often found courtside at Temple basketball games, keeping statistics for the team. Back then, it was standard to only keep track of made baskets, points, and fouls. That was it. That was all the box scores would show. Pollock was not satisfied with that. He could easily see that there was far more to basketball than just points and fouls. There were rebounds, assists, turnovers, and blocked shots that all contributed to the outcome of the game. At the time, nobody was even tracking missed shots, so it was impossible to tell what anyone's shooting percentage was. All they knew was that a player made six or seven baskets with no context as to how many shots he took to get those six or seven baskets. So, he started tracking these statistics on his own. Of course, the coach at Temple loved it. It gave him extra data to sift through in making game decisions. Pollock literally invented the tracking of rebounds, and then later separated that into offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds. He invented the tracking of assists, blocked shots, missed shot attempts, missed free throw attempts, steals, and turnovers. All of those categories are now standard across all of basketball, and it was all because of Harvey Pollock. He was the first to track them, and then others started to track them when they saw the value in what Pollock was doing. His goal was to see these statistical categories become standard across all of basketball, and I am only getting started on the Harvey Pollock story, and you can already see why he would be in the Basketball Hall of Fame as a contributor. He was Moneyball before Moneyball. He took basketball statistics to a level no one had ever seen or even thought about before. For. He absolutely loved numbers and he loved the idea of tracking this stuff. Once he graduated from Temple in 1943, he served in World War II and upon his safe return, he went to work as a sports writer for the Philadelphia Bulletin, as well as writing guest pieces for other Philadelphia newspapers. And then something magical happened in the summer of 1946 that would change the direction of his life. That was the summer that a bunch of hockey executives decided to start a brand new professional basketball league in order to fill in the empty dates in their arenas. The league would eventually be called the NBA. Pollock got a job as a statistician and publicist for the Philadelphia Warriors, one of the original teams in this new basketball league. He was only 24 years old when this new league got started. And by the way, if you want to hear more about how the NBA got started, go back and check out episode 67, where I share the full story of how these executives got together with an idea for a new basketball league. Now that is how Pollock became one of the original NBA employees. This is a good place to take a break, and I'll be right back with Harvey Pollock's career working in the NBA. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique Unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long-sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row 1 catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row 1 Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. 
Welcome back to the show and let us continue with the story of Harvey Pollack, the only statistician to be inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. As I mentioned, he was an employee of the Philadelphia Warriors during that very first season of the NBA. A player by the name of Jumpin' Joe Folks led the Warriors in scoring that season. In fact, Folks led the entire league in scoring that season. Back in that first season, the NBA only played 60 games in their regular season, and the Warriors finished with a record of 35-25. and 25. And Harvey Pollack was there at the scorer's table for the very first game in Warriors history. It was a home game against the Pittsburgh Ironmen. I looked up the box score for that game, and the only things that they tracked were made baskets, free throws made and attempted, and personal fouls and points. All of the other categories that we're used to seeing are not there, at least not in the official NBA box score. Now, Pollock kept track of those statistics on his own, and he would provide them to the Warriors head coach, Eddie Gottlieb, but that was separate from the official box score. By the way, Joe Folks led all scorers with 25 points that night to lead the Warriors to an 81-75 victory. The last three minutes of the game were played four against four as the Ironmen had fouled out all but four players. That meant that the Warriors also had to take a player off the court to keep it even. And the Warriors went all the way that season and became the very first champions in NBA history. And by coincidence, the Warriors are the current champions again as of the recording of this episode. Anyway, Pollock continued keeping the stats for the Warriors, writing publicity pieces to help promote the team and sell tickets. He also continued writing articles for the Philadelphia Bulletin. He was a busy guy, but he loved everything about what he was doing. Probably the biggest night of his life happened with the Warriors when they played on March 12, 1962 in Hershey, Pennsylvania. That was the night that Will Chamberlain scored 100 points in a single game against the New York Knicks. Pollock was at the scorer's table as usual, keeping track of Will's statistics as he closed in on 100. On that night, he was the only journalist on hand because none of the other sports writers wanted to drive from Philadelphia to Hershey to cover the game. Since he had to be at the game anyway, he was asked to cover the game and write up a story. You know that famous picture of Will Chamberlain sitting in the locker room after the game and holding that piece of paper that says 100 on it? That photo was Pollock's idea. It was Pollock who grabbed a blank piece of paper and scribbled 100 on it. He handed the piece of paper to Wilt and grabbed Associated Press photographer Paul Vathis to capture the moment. In my opinion, it is one of the most iconic photos in NBA history, maybe the most iconic, and we have Harvey Pollock to thank for it. And if you want to hear the full story of World Chamberlain's 100-point game, go back to episode 100. Anyway, he continued in this capacity until the Warriors decided to move to California to become the San Francisco Warriors in the summer of 1962. Pollock decided to stay in Philadelphia to continue with all of his other jobs, including keeping statistics for Temple University. But with no NBA team to work for, he was hired by the NBA's league office for that season. He helped the league expand how they tracked statistics league-wide. Because of Pollock's direct influence, the entire league started to track all of these additional statistical categories. Pollock helped not only show the rest of the league how to do it, but also helped set the definitions of what constituted things like an assist, a rebound, a steal, and a turnover. Like everything else in basketball, statistics have to be defined tightly so that everyone can be on the same page as to what constitutes the these statistics. So after just one season of working for the league office, the city of Philadelphia again was getting an NBA team. The Syracuse Nationals decided to relocate to Philadelphia and call themselves the 76ers. They hired Pollock to be their director of statistics, publicist, 
and marketing director, and he worked for the 76ers until the day he died, literally. It was with the 76ers that he got an idea for an annual book on NBA statistics. Each summer, he collected the score sheets for every single regular season game played across the league. He would spend most of the summer compiling statistics into new ways to offer insights into what was happening on the court. I mean, this is how much he loved this stuff. He would spend the entire offseason compiling numbers for analysis. He was advanced analytics before advanced analytics. He provided numbers the fans and the coaches had never seen before. For example, he created the per 48 minute statistic. This helped level the playing field between players that played a lot of minutes and players that played few minutes. Now here's how it worked. Let's say a player averaged 40 minutes per game and averaged 20 points per game. That would come out to an average of one point every two minutes. If that player played all 48 minutes of a game, then that player would theoretically average 24 points per game. Now let's take a second player who only plays garbage minutes when the game is out of reach. And let's say that he averages four minutes per game and averages four points per game. That comes out to a point per minute. If this second player were to play 48 minutes, he would theoretically score 48 points per game, and that would be amazing. But this is the kind of thing that Harvey Pollock was revealing through his statistical analysis. There have been more than a few players who used the per 48 minute statistics to negotiate themselves a salary increase and more minutes. I mean, when you think about it, you cannot really blame a player for only scoring five points a game if he's only given a few minutes of playing time. So each summer, he would compile and analyze all of the score sheets for the previous season and he would produce an annual book called Harvey Pollock's NBA Statistical Yearbook. This was a must-have for all coaches, general managers, many players, and fans who were really into statistics. And I would put myself into that category. Today, I still maintain my own personal database with the career statistics of every player who ever played in the NBA. And I have used my own database when doing research for many of these episodes. For example, which NBA player has scored the most career NBA points and played their college ball at Cal State Fullerton? The answer is Cedric Sabalos, followed by Bruce Bowen. It was in Pollock's annual yearbook that we first saw the term triple-double as a statistical category. That's right, he invented that too. He would even track which team won the opening tip-off. In one edition of the yearbook, he created a category called the Trillionaires Club. It was for those players who played one minute of a game and recorded no other statistics at all. In other words, the player recorded a one followed by 12 zeros in the box score. So, you can see that in addition to having proper statistics that he kept, he always kept a sense of humor when creating the very silly Trillionaires Club. So, this is the kind of thing that I love about Harvey Pollock. He was always searching for new ways to look at this amazing game. In 1951, the NBA started to officially keep track of rebounds. Later, they differentiated between offensive and defensive rebounds. In 1973, the NBA started to officially keep track of assists and block shots. Every one of these statistics was already being kept by Pollock for the 76ers before the NBA made them official. He pushed for these to be added and later the NBA added plus minus and win shares. I think that Harvey Pollock would have loved how statistics are kept today, and he did get a glimpse of it before he passed in 2015 when advanced analytics was starting to become a real thing in the NBA. Now, they have cameras that can track each player's movement around the court, even tracking how much ground a player covers while he's on the court. 
Other cameras are shot trackers, recording every spot a player takes a shot from. If you watch a game today on ESPN or TNT, they will typically show the shot tracker stats. It looks like a half court with darkened circles and empty circles showing a player's makes and misses for that game. Some teams, for their own purposes, even track hustle plays, like every time a player goes to the floor after a loose ball or takes a charge. The data today goes so deep with the use of computers that can compile and calculate numbers with a speed that no human could ever achieve. Harvey Pollock's annual yearbook could be done in a week if he was still producing them today instead of the whole summer as he did all of his statistics manually with a calculator and a pencil. I think it is obvious to see why Pollock is in the Hall of Fame. His contribution to statistical analysis has significantly advanced how a basketball game is broken down and tracked. He even holds a Guinness World Record, but it had nothing to do with basketball. He has the record for wearing a brand new t-shirt every single day for just under 10 years. That's 3,420 consecutive days to be exact. As word of the record got out, people would send him t-shirts to wear so they could be part of helping him set the record. He would then donate the t-shirts to a men's shelter for the homeless. And that is why it was so sad when I heard that he passed away in 2015. I could not believe that at age 93, he was still working in the NBA. He literally saw every superstar in league's history play basketball, and he got to see it from courtside seat at the scores table. He was a Philadelphia treasure and a basketball treasure. So here's to Harvey Pollock, or should I say Superstat, and to his love for numbers. Well, that's it for this week. Join us next time when we share the story of the 1977 NBA All-Star Game. It was the first All-Star Game that took place after the merger between the NBA and the ABA. Let us just say that there were a number of NBA All-Stars that were no longer All-Stars once guys like Dr. J, George Gervin, David Thompson, and Dan Issel all joined the NBA at the same time. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports History Year. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, aka the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, Head over to 
sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.